Hello and welcome to United's podcast and sermon archives. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at fergusunited.org or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and we hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you'd like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online to fergusunited.org. And also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you will be automatically notified of our new episodes. Thank you very much, and we hope you have a great week. God bless you. All right, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. I will give credit where credit is due. I'm going to take a large portion of my material today from a message that my father-in-law preached. I'm not preaching the message he preached, but I I am taking a lot of the material from there and uh, kind of repurposing it for our service today. I didn't plan on preaching until late in the week when I found out our missionary wasn't going to be with us and the schedule was already pretty full, so study time was slim. And I was very grateful for a good, godly resource. It is a timely word for us, though. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. I'm going to start reading at verse 7 and read through verse 10. And I want to preach to us today the point of thorns. So a little play on words there, the point of thorns. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, And lest I should be exalted above measure... Through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. We'll talk about the point of thorns. God's Word is filled with concepts that are are a paradox to us. They're statements that at first glance seem to contradict themselves, but upon further um, just ruminating and thinking and digging under the surface of what's said, we find it to be very true. The Word of God says some things or portrays some concepts such as It's more blessed to give than to receive. And we step back for a minute and say, well, when I I receive, I'm being blessed. So how then can it be more blessed to, to give than to receive? But when we exercise this principle, we find it to be very true. We feel more blessed when we're able to give to others. The Word of God says things like, the last shall be first. This is one I use with my kids a lot because everybody wants to be first. But the scripture says that the last 
shall be first. And that, that's hard for us to understand, but when we see it in context and we study it out, we see that it's true. The Bible tells us, blessed are they that mourn. And again, we, we scratch our heads for a moment and say, well, how, how can this be? And yet, when we really think about in order to mourn anything, we would have first had to have been blessed with something. We're, we're blessed with relationships. We're blessed with things. We're blessed with, with uh, people that at the time of loss we may mourn, but we were blessed prior to that. How God chooses to work through our humanity is just as perplexing to our natural mind. When we consider all of our falls and all of our frailty and all of our inadequacies, and then we, we stand back and we see God use people, fleshly people, to do incredible things in ministry, it causes us to scratch our head. Those that we would see as able to be used are often not the candidates God chooses. We stand back sometimes and we identify talents and ability and we see charisma and we see skill sets and we say, that's the one right there. That's the one God's going to use. Jesse did this with his sons when the prophet came and said, one of your boys is going to be king. He brought in all the, hey, listen, I got some talented sons. I've got some, some kids that are, man, they're skilled. They've got what it takes. And yet, we, we know the story. He went right down the line and it was, it was none of those people. Right. We see that God cho chooses many times the one who lacks the ability and, and lacks the skill. We also struggle with some of the things that He allows into the life of those who He has chosen. We see people that are, are fully committed to God. They're doing their best to serve Him. Their ministry is flourishing. There's revival everywhere they go. And yet God will release hardship. He will allow difficult situations into their life. And we stand back in our carnality and in our flesh and we say, surely God would have prevented that. Surely God would not have allowed that to happen. I shared with the concrete mason that's doing some work for me on a a project for my business this week about what happened when we had all of our foundation blocks in and we were just getting ready to pour concrete and we got a really big rainstorm and it just washed out all of our forms and we had to go in with shovels and, and dig it all out and his response was yeah and you were probably like you know his, his emotions as if we were saying come on God why, why did you why did you let this happen? And that's, that's the way we think. We see people that are living for God and doing great things, and, and then trials come, and we're like, really? I mean, with all they're doing for you, you, you couldn't step in and prevent that? And it's a paradox to us. We don't quite get it. There's, there's thorns that they have, and, and we don't understand it. Paul in this passage is in the height of his ministry. He's having revival. He's by all accounts, spiritually stable. He's not misleading people. He's not going around spreading false teaching. He's obedient to the prompting of the Holy Ghost. And yet in the midst of all of that, he's dealing with what he describes as a thorn in the flesh. This thorn constantly reminded him that despite the power and privilege of the crucified life he lived, there was still a sense of weakness that he had to deal with. It was something that Paul could never rid himself of. He couldn't change his diet and fix his problem. He could not 
uh, go down to the store and, and buy something. He couldn't work his way out of it. This is something that he had to, he had to deal with. It was a weakness. It was a distraction that he would carry with him all the way to the grave. So when we talk about the thorn in the flesh, when I'm talking about the point of thorns today, it's important for us to define what I'm talking about. When we consider the Greek word um, scallops, I'll pronounce it that way, it's S-K-O-L-L-O-P-S, we have the, the... I guess the definition that we would all immediately think of, you're doing something outside or you're working with lumber and you end up with a splinter, a little thorn that's in your finger. It's a barb. It's it's something that grows on a stem of a plant and it can prick us and cause momentary pain. But this word goes deeper than that. And the definition of the word is something pointed, sharp. The presence of a stake. Something that causes severe and constant irritation. It's more than... He didn't have a sliver, folks. He had something that was causing severe and constant irritation in his life. It was something that was, was causing him a problem. And if we really took the time to get real on a Sunday morning, we would have to acknowledge that we all have thorns in our life. There are painful memories that we carry with us throughout every day of life. And they serve as thorns. There are regrets that we have where we wish we would have handled things differently. We wish we would have either said more or said less. We have regrets that we have to work through. There are physical illnesses that God allows us to to deal with and to battle through. There are mental struggles that we have to constantly fight to overcome. There are heart hurts and scars and wounds and challenges. We have thorns in our life. They're there. They're ever-present. They cause constant pain and irritation every time we think of them. How we view and identify these thorns will determine the impact they have on our lives and even our walk with God. There's, I'm going to present two ways that we could look at these things today. We'll deal with the negative first. First of all, Satan would love to step into your day-to-day life identify these thorns, these things that are causing you irritation, they're causing you pain, and he wants to leverage these things into an excuse as to why you can't be effective for God. You can't be effective for God because you did this in the past. You can't be effective for God because you have this problem in your your life. You've got this health issue. You have ADDA, whatever they call it. You, that's why you can't pray. You can't have a prayer life. You're, you're too distracted. You've got too many things going on. You can't be consistent in Bible reading. Look at how busy your schedule is. And he, he attempts to leverage our uh, thorns, the things that we have to deal with, our hurts and our pains. You're never going to trust anybody. You, look, look at what happened to you. you. You've got all these things in your past that, that you have to carry with you. You're not going to be able to, to, to really plug into a local assembly. You, you're not going to be able to be a part of the body of Christ. You, you'll never fit in. You, and, and we leverage these things as an excuse if we allow for them to be identified in that capacity. But the Apostle Paul did not do this. He didn't say, well, I guess now I've, I've got this thorn in the flesh and so I'm going to have to back off a little bit in the ministry. I guess what I'm going to have to do, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to have to travel less. Yep. Well, I guess uh, I, I can't endure any more stonings. 
The Apostle Paul was stoned multiple times. That, that's pretty rough. Well, I probably can't physically, I just can't deal with it anymore. I, I can't take the chance of allowing that to happen again. So now I'm, I'm only going to spread the word where it's, where it's gladly received. And if I meet any opposition, I'll, I'll just back off because, because I've got this thorn that limits me. But the Apostle Paul did not allow the thorn in the flesh to become an excuse. Jesus purposes the thorns in our lives as a doorway. A doorway. He has a point for putting thorns in our life. There's a reason that they're there. He allows them. Sometimes He sends them. Other times He allows them. But no matter the case, He does have a purpose or a point in allowing the thorns in our life. Pascal was the Spanish abstract artist who sketched, sculpted, and painted his way into prominence in the early 20th century. On the rare occasion, he painted live portraits. One such instance was his painting of Gertrude Stein, one of America's foremost authors of a bygone era. Stein lived in Oakland, California. She was educated at Radcliffe College and also studied at John Hopkins University. For most of her life, she lived in Paris, and there she would write. To many, Gertrude's writings were unintelligible, but to the elite, her words were sublime. We've probably heard some of her quotes from her writing. She's the one that would pen the words, a rose is a rose is a rose. And I guess I wouldn't be the elite because I think, yeah, a rose is a rose. Why do we get... But to the elite, these were, these were wonderful poetic writings. I'll have to take their word for it. She would pen the words, when they are alone, they want to be with others. When they are with others, they want to be alone. After all, human beings are like that. I can relate to that statement. Her encounter with the great artist, Pasco, Pasca, however you'd say it, was during the winter of 1905 to 1906. Gertrude sat for the exceptional portrait to be painted by the master artist. In fact, 90 times she sat before his canvas. He would look at her and he would paint the picture. And he would look at her and he would, and, and he would paint the picture. And 90 times he became frustrated and would throw the portrait out and tell her, we're, we're going to have to do it again. We're going to have to do it again. Ninety times. Can you imagine how long she had to sit there each time? Ridiculous. Until finally, in frustration, he said to her, I can't see you any longer when I look at you. That seems like an odd statement. I can't see you any longer when I look at you. He packed up his brushes, his paints, and his canvas and returned home to Spain to continue working on the portrait. By the spring, it was largely finished, and in the fall, the painting was unveiled. Onlookers were surprised. Gertrude Stein was a young woman when the master painted her, yet the face staring from the canvas was that of a wizened, and, a wizened woman wearing a thoughtful, earnest face. So he unveils this painting. It's going to be a glorious moment. And she's there, and he's there, and there's a public crowd. And he, and he pulls the tarp off the canvas, and everyone's looking at her. And then they're looking at the picture. 
and they're looking at her and she's young and everything's tight and her face is just right and, and then they look at the picture and, and, and it's an aged woman that shows wisdom who has a, a, a solemn, serious look on her face. Eventually, a lone voice courageously remarked to Pasco that Gertrude did not look like her portrait. Somebody had the nerve to call him out. To which he simply replied, she one day will. Now that's a pretty bold statement. How does he know? The interesting thing about this story from history is that as time went on, and as age had its effect on Miss Stein, she did indeed look like the portrait that was painted. The artist was struggling to, to pull out what he's seen within this woman, and he could not see it looking at her in her present circumstances. He was unable to do it, and I don't have an artistic mind, so I can't even begin to fathom this idea, but he goes back to a, a studio in another country and paints an image of what this woman is going to look like in the future. And indeed, she does end up resembling what he, what he painted. You see, any artist can paint what is. Good artists are capable to paint what once was, but only masters can paint what shall be. You and I are portraits in progress. Our master is not painting us as we once were or even as we now are, but he is forming us into what he knows we can be. See, God sees what we can be. God sees what we can be. Thorns, while not appealing at the moment, are critical instruments to accomplishing the final image. Amen. The final image. Amen. In order for Gertrude Stein to become the woman in the painting, time had to take its toll. I'm sure there were some hardships and there were some hard days and there were some situations in her life that she wished she did not have to go through. But in order for what was, was extracted by the artist to come to life in the life of this woman, there had to be some thorns along the way. Amen. One of the things that God uses thorns to do in our life, or, or maybe two, depending on how you look at it, is thorns drive us to prayer and they deepen our reliance on God. Amen. In our text, the Apostle Paul relays his own desire to pray as a result of the thorns in his life. He said, there's been a, a situation that's been given to me, and we'll come back to this in a moment, but he said it was given to me so that I wouldn't be lifted up and become prideful Amen. because of all the revelations I've received. And he said, three times I sought God to deliver me from this thing. This thorn, this ugly situation, this problem that he had in his life drove him to his knees to seek God in a way that he would not have done without it. He prayed earnestly for it to be removed. He prayed persistently until God gave an answer. And God's answer was simply, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Though this was not the answer he desired, it did provide the direction that he needed. Jesus removed, or I'm sorry, refused to remove the thorn from his life. That's not the answer we seek for. 
And we're in good company. That's not the answer the Apostle Paul was looking for. He's honest enough in this passage of Scripture to say that his prayer was not, God, whatever Your will is, just, just let it be done. No, he said, I prayed earnestly. I prayed on three different times. It, it was most likely three different seasons of prayer in life where I sought God to remove this thorn from my life. And God says, no, no, I'm not going to, Paul. But my grace will be sufficient for you. My strength will be made perfect in your weakness. This was not to the detriment of Paul's ministry or his activity in ministry. However, God informed Paul that his strength would be ever-present alongside the thorn. That's a beautiful promise. God said, Paul, I'm going to leave this in your life. I need you to recognize right now in this conversation, you've sought me on multiple occasions to take this hard thing away from you. I want you to know two things. Number one, I'm not taking it away. You're going to deal with this thing. It's going to be a part of your life. It's going to be hard until the day you die. Number two, my strength will consistently accompany the thorn in your life. It's always going to be there. It's going to be, in fact, perfected through your weakness. Paul, you will maintain your weakness, but I will continue to use you mightily. Paul... What you have will not be enough, but I will compensate. Paul, you're a great minister of mine, but it's, but it's me that's going to receive the glory. Paul, this is a thorn in your life, but it's there to protect you from becoming prideful. You ever think about that? The Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, God had to bring affliction to his life in order to protect him from becoming prideful and arrogant and thinking that the ministry that was taking place at his hand was somehow of his own doing. Mm -hmm. Paul, the thorn will serve as a safeguard to your reliance on me. Paul, this ugly, hurtful thing will be a blessing that keeps our relationship strong and in proper perspective. You're going to remember constantly that, that you need me yeah. in order to fulfill the things I'm calling you to do. You're never going to step up, Paul, and think that you're going to minister to people of your own ability and your own accord. You're never going to think that you have the strength and the vitality and the energy to go about doing the amazing things I've called you to on your own. This, this thorn in the flesh is going to constantly drive you back to prayer and maintain your reliance on me. More than that, the point of thorns is that God uses them as a doorway for His grace. If I were to have, before I started preaching this message, ask the question, how many want to live in the grace of God? We would all raise our hands and put a smile on our face because we desire the grace of God. We define grace as the undeserved gifts of God. Us receiving what we do not deserve of our own accord. But here's the catch. Without inadequacies, Grace has no entry point. Without shortcomings, without failures, without uh, coming to the end of myself, I have no need of God's grace. I do not need to receive what I don't deserve because I have the ability within my own hand to produce the thing that I'm trying to produce. Oh, that's right. 
I met with an elderly man years ago in ministry and in, in talking with him and counseling with him. He was, he was a smart individual. He is a smart individual. He was wealthy. He was actually a, a, a consultant for businesses. And when things weren't working right in the business, whether it be the production or the team management or any, any aspect of that business, they would bring him in and he would consult with them and say, okay, I've, I've observed for a little while. You need to change this. You need to do that. You need to make these, these alterations. And, and he would bring order back into these places. He would help them. And so he was, he was very educated. He was very physically able. And when I was meeting with him, he was at a, a later stage in life. And they enjoyed going RVing and they enjoyed all these things. And he was getting to the point where his physical body was no longer enabling him to just do things on his own. He couldn't get his own camper ready to hit the road like he used to. He would have to set aside entire days in order to, to prepare for a trip. And then when he got home, he was just so weary. Cancer had taken its toll on him, and, and the battles he had fought had taken its toll on him. And he said to me in, in one of these meetings, he said, until this point in my life, I've never needed God. Wow. Now, he acknowledged his need for God for salvation. He recognized that he, he had no ability to save himself. This was a godly man. But he said, outside of that, I've never been in a situation like this where I needed God. He said, if I, if I needed something, I went out and I bought it. If I needed something done, I just, I just did it because I had the ability. I was strong enough. I was smart enough. I was financially blessed enough. He said, now I'm in a place where I, I can't. You see, and until we come to a place where we can't, we can't really experience the grace of God. The grace of God. We know we need the grace of God as salvation. That's the ultimate extension of, of God's gift of grace. But how about after we're saved? Without troubles, I have no need of grace. Without trials, I have no need of grace. Without failure, I have no need of grace. You see, without thorns, there's no need for grace. It has no entry point into my life. Yeah. The Apostle Paul began to understand this, and we see it in the terminology he uses in this passage. I'm going to read the, the latter part of verse 9 and verse 10 again. It sounds like maybe he bumped his head. The things he's saying are not natural. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. This man said, I'm, I'm excited about, I'm going to brag about, I'm going to glory in, I'm going to testify about all my infirmities. Yes! Woohoo! I got infirmities. Why? Because, because that's when the power of Christ rests upon me in the strongest way. He says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I don't talk like that. I don't know about you. Most of the time when I have infirmities, I, I'm not real excited about it. He didn't stop there. He said, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. I'm so happy when things go horribly wrong in my life. I'm so happy when I don't have the things I need. I'm so happy 
when people are reproaching me and speaking negative about my ministry and about my life and about my faith. I'm so happy when they persecute me for my faith. I'm so happy when I'm distressed and I've got no way out of the situation I'm in. Boy, am I happy. That's a backwards way of thinking until we get the understanding. The understanding that He brings about at the end of verse 10. For when? So because when I am weak, then am I strong. See, I'm happy when I'm at the end of myself. Because that's when God's going to step in. And He can handle things so much better than I can handle things. And He's so much smarter than I am. And He's so much stronger than I am. And He's so much everything than I am. So when I finally get to the place where I'm in need of God, that's a doorway. There's a thorn and it hurts and it's painful and it's uncomfortable because this flesh doesn't like being put in a place of vulnerability. But when I finally get there, I should be excited about it because now now there's a doorway that's been opened in my life for the grace of God to step in and become sufficient, sufficient for me. When the Apostle Paul grasped the understanding of that God's grace entered his life through the work of thorns, his attitude toward hardship changed. He did not attempt to hide them, but rather began to glory and take pleasure in them. This is where we've got to get. We don't do this. Even when we start to kind of understand this, we don't get to this point. We have thorns in our life and we're walking in and they're poking us here and we got one in our foot and we're all hot spiritually. If people can see, we're just hobbling around and people say, how you doing? And we go, great. I'm doing wonderful. God is so good. And all that, that, that's true. God is good. But that's not what they asked you. We're all crippled up walking around. We've got all these problems, all these infirmities in our life. And God receives less glory because we lean into our own strength rather than His grace. And so when people look at the good things you're doing and the ministries you're involved in and the family you're raising, if, if the answer they give us, see, they can't see us all crippled up in the spirit. So when we say, we're doing great, they stand back and say, wow, see, their family works because they're doing great. Their family works because they're strong people. They're, they've got it all together. They're smart and they're intelligent and, they're, and, and they're, they're healthy and everything's great in their life. And we never really give God the glory for what's going on in our life because we're too afraid to pull back the veil and allow the inadequacies to show through. That's right. True. Instead of that, how about when, when, they, when they say, how you doing? We say, well, actually... I've got some problems in my life. Man, I'm really fighting through some things. I, I'm dealing with some struggles, and, and this is going on, and i got that going on, and, and all these things going on. But, but you know what? God's helping me. Yes. In the middle of all that, God still, He's holding my family together. And man, in the middle of all this, I, I don't have enough to, to get through. And, and it seems like there's always more month than paycheck. And, and i got all these problems. But you know what? God's sustaining me through. I, I don't know how it's working, but, but man, He's doing a good job of taking care of me. That's right. People don't look at you when you say that and go, oh, you're not perfect, huh? Because they, they can relate to that. Oh, right. oh, you have thorns too? Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought I was really messed up. Oh, you got problems in your life? Man, that's great. That gives me hope that God right. can actually still help me because, because my life's messed up too. That's right. But His grace is sufficient. Yes. In order for us to adopt this mindset concerning the thorns in our life, we have to believe the promise that was given. 
I mean, really, really believe it. What Paul said, or I'm sorry, what God said to Paul was, My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough. This thing that you think is going to overtake you. You think it's going to defeat you. You think you have no way out. I'm just letting you know, I'm not taking it away from you. But I am enough to help you live with it. I am enough to help you deal with it. A small boy only had five loaves and two fishes. But in the hands of God, it was enough. Oh God, I just... Even the disciples said it, Lord, we, we only got this little kid's lunch. That's, that's all I got. He said, give, give it to me. And it, it became enough. David only had a small slingshot, but, but that was enough. Moses only had the rod that was in his hand. But with God, it was sufficient. It was enough. The widow only had just a little bit of oil and a, and a little bit of flour, but it was sufficient. There was only the cloud the size of a man's hand, but it was sufficient. At the wedding in Cana, all they had was water. It was sufficient. Because when we come to the end of ourself, God's grace is enough. It's enough. It's sufficient. What they had to offer was not enough until grace was factored in. With grace, it became sufficient to accomplish supernatural purposes. See, there's a grace factor, folks. God doesn't call us to do things. He doesn't put things in our life and say, figure it out. Get it done or else. You're going you're gonna to do this or go to hell. That's not the God we serve. There's a grace factor that's figured in there. When I can't, that's when God can. See, the Scripture says we're co-laborers with Christ. We do our part, but He's the one that's going to receive the glory. Because when, when we finally get to the point where we understand just how weak and frail and unable we are, we can say, okay, God, I'm at the end of me. You're going to have to take it from here. My grace is sufficient for you. For you. It's a personal message today. Whatever challenges you're facing, whatever thorns you have in your life, whatever it is that, that's trying to beset you and throw you off course and distract you, whatever it is that the enemy is trying to leverage in your life as an excuse, God wants you to know today that is not the purpose of that thorn. But that thorn serves as a doorway through which His grace can enter. And I'm closing with one simple thought. Yet it's, it's profound at the same time. God's supply of grace is greater than your supply of thorns. You say, man, you don't, you don't know... I feel like I've fallen into the, the briar patch. I'm, I'm covered in thorns. I feel like there's just problems on every side. God's grace is sufficient for you. For you. And you and you and you and you and you. And you. It's enough for me. 
my problems, the ones that I see as bigger than everybody else's problems. You know that? That's human nature. You look at everybody else's problems and you say, God can help them. And you look at your problems and say, oh boy. That's where Paul was at. Lord, I'm praying for other people and they're being healed. And I'm doing all these ministry and there's revival. And yet, yet I've got this thing in my life that just doesn't seem to go away. And God said, Paul, it's enough. That's what he's saying to you today. It, it's enough. No matter what you're dealing with, I would invite you to bring your, your thorns to the altar. Lay them before God and say, God, help me to look at this thing differently. Because I have hated it for so long. I despise it. it. It weighs me down. It keeps me from doing the things God, I feel like you want me to do. It's, it's always there. It's always nagging me. And I want the mindset of the Apostle Paul. Teach me to glory in this thing. Not for my sake, but for yours. Let me have the confidence it takes to, to expose that weakness so that everybody can see just how mighty and powerful you are. And Lord, through my vulnerability, you might just reach somebody else that's struggling with the idea that they're not worthy of your love because of the thorns in their life. Jesus, I need you to help. We, listen, we can't, we can't just change our mind about things. We need God to help us. It was a word that came to the Apostle Paul that changed his, his mindset. And there's a word that's coming to us today with the same purpose. Lord, help me to leave here thinking differently. These altars are open. I, I invite you to pray. God, we need you today. We lean into your strength. The inadequacies that we have. All of the shortcomings. All the failures. We just bring them before you, Lord. We're a mess. Covered in, in faults. Distractions. Some of our own making. And yet they're there. They're thorns. They prod us and they poke us every day. God, help us. Help us to see these things as opportunities for us to experience Grace. Grace. Jesus. Jesus.
go the distance. Standing next to me, I can't do anything other
quote in regards to Miss Stein's portrait said that any artist can paint what is. Good artists can paint what once was, but only masters can paint what shall be. Simple fact is anybody around can look at you and, and point out maybe what is. There's some people in your life that would love to serve as the, the sole reminder of what once was. But God is working on what can be. Your thorns do not disqualify you from being used of God. In fact, they are the very instruments that the Lord has used up until this point to prepare you and equip you for His use. His strength and His grace is sufficient for you. Jesus, we love you. We recognize today, Lord, maybe more than we have 
recently how much we need you. As hard as it is in the flesh, God, I, I stand today making an attempt to embrace the thorns that are in my life. I don't know in an honest personal evaluation if I'm quite to the point where I can say that I rejoice in them. Lord, I want to get there. But I certainly want to recognize that they are entry points for your grace in my life. And I pray that over our church. That we would be confident and comfortable leaning into areas where we fall short of our own ability in the flesh. So that you can receive glory for doing great things through the equipping of the Holy Ghost. We give you all the praise for it. We recognize you for it. And we thank you for helping us. Seeing fit to use us to build your kingdom. We ask you, Lord, to help us to continue developing this mindset. To adopt the mentality that the Apostle Paul shares with us in this passage. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Continue to pray if you would like. Take all the time you need.